Welcome to the Pat Mayo Experience 2020 Honda Classic DraftKings Picks and Preview. If you want to play in the Pat Mayo Experience Open Honda Classic DraftKings Listeners League, the link to the league is in the description of this video or podcast. Go hit that up. It's over half full already on a Tuesday afternoon, so it's definitely going to fill this time around. Hopefully. I want it to fill this time around. We don't want to make it smaller, people. We want to make it bigger. So fill it as quickly as possible. If you're looking for the cheat sheet, that will be out on Tuesday evening on DKPlaybook.com, betting cheat sheet Wednesday on my Facebook page, Facebook.com slash the PME. And of course, if you want to generate some lineups, use a simulator, research all the stats you want, FantasyNational.com is the key to all of this. And get your ass 20% off FantasyNational.com slash PME. Highly recommend you do all of this. And if you want to get into a draw for 20 DK bucks, Smash the like for the episode. Leave your DraftKings handle in the comment section. Tell me your favorite play below $7,000 this week in the field. And if you want to get into a draw for 100 DraftKings dollars, subscribe to the Pat Mayo Experience audio podcast. Leave a five-star review, DraftKings handle, and something you like about this show. You'll be in a draw for 100 DraftKings dollars. Winners announced on Monday's Pat Mayo Experience. I want to get to 3,000 five-star reviews before the Masters. Because we'll always get a whole bunch for the Masters. Because those shows, incredible. Everyone says, terrific shows, not sad whatsoever. Probably the best time of the year. Anyway, I've gone on too long here. Rick Gaiman is on the line. Ben Raza is on the line. Rick, what's going on? Pat, welcome to Honda Week. Welcome to DFS Open Week. I have never been more excited for anything in my entire life. Didn't you get married uh, yeah, but come on, man. That's like, that's just a legal obligation. This is, this is excitement. This is traveling to Florida. This is everything. You're going from one hot place to another hot place. It's far more <laughs> exciting for Ben and I. I don't listen. I don't get out of the house much. So I'm very excited to like leave and go talk to other humans instead of just my dog all day. So yes, the climates are very similar, but Hey, I'm, I'm excited to meet everybody. All right, so Ben Raza, you're also here, and Rick had put together the pricing for the DFS Open, which we're all going to, and are you a great value in the DFS Open? Because we'll break that down a little bit later on. Yeah, we're going to get into it. I don't, I don't know. I mean, Rick is on my team. Uh, <laughs> I think we're going to have some serious issues. It's basically they're playing with three people. I'll be there for moral support. Uh, going to be fun. Excited to fly down, meet everyone. Going to take a lot of energy. I also don't get out of the house much, so... It's a lot of activity for this group here, but it's definitely one of the better weeks of the year, no doubt about it. So are you putting yourself as a heavy underdog in our three-person skins game the day before? Slight dog. Uh, That doesn't mean I won't gamble on it, but it's going to be some issues whether or not I can even finish a hole. That'll be a a fair bet in this one. Well, Rick, we'll have to figure out some sort of like, uh, we can use handicaps, I guess, but I don't think either... Three, either one of the three of us is like overly like great by any means no. so we might have to play nine to figure out where everyone's skill level is then wager on the back nine yeah and i'll tell you what ben is working hard on these strokes already right he's been sending us messages like oh my swing i don't know i haven't picked up a club in 50 years like he's working <laughs> hard for these strokes right now well at least i've settled i'm playing left-handed officially i used to play golf right-handed <laughs> i've made the switch oh, God. Uh, so i will be sporting lefty clubs and i will actually stick with a hand for a change that's terrifying it's a good age to really switch which side of the ball that you hit from yeah that's right it's uh i've settled on it so it's all uphill from here 
I haven't hurt myself severely yet at the driving range. Maybe I will be a dark horse value. You never know. All right. Well, let's talk about the guys in this field. The over $10,000 range on DraftKings for the Honda Classic. Tommy Fleetwood's the most expensive guy with Brooks Kepka in this field. So Tommy is 11-6. Brooks is 11-2. Then it's Fowler at 10-8. And then Woodland at 10-3. So, Rick, I guess I'll ask you this first. Is Tommy the betting favorite and the highest owned or the highest priced DraftKings guy because he's just immensely popular on DraftKings every single week? Like people really like Tommy Fleetwood? I don't know. I mean, I, I, I guess that's part of it, but I also just assume that it is the fact that everyone is more down on Brooks, more down on Ricky after kind of what we've seen. I, I was stunned to see Tommy Fleetwood come here as the betting favorite and as the, the highest priced golfer on DraftKings, considering the fact that like, he probably needs to win the golf tournament. And I don't know if you guys have heard, uh, Tommy has a little trouble winning golf tournaments. In America, it's like Louis. Like, <laughs> Louis, proven winner, can't win in America. What do you make of this, Ben? Like, it just, it seems really strange to me that it would be Fleetwood over Brooks. Like, I'm still just trying to unwrap that in my mind. And I think it's going to lead to no one owning Tommy Fleetwood. That's right. That's where I wanted to take it. I, if you would have told me, and I, I was talking to you guys before a show, uh, I did a show yesterday and we didn't have pricing. And I was, I would have said pretty adamantly that Fleetwood, I would have had him third or fourth in the pricing probably. No chance I would have thought he would have been first. I think most people are, are going to be surprised to see him above Brooks, even with Brooks not playing great right now. So you know he's going to garner some ownership because he's at the top, but it'll be a lot lower relative to what we see the top price guy uh, in terms of you know the ownership we see for them each and every week. Yeah, it's does that make you want to play him though? I guess is the thing. Like I, I think I could be talked into not playing any of the three top guys. I mean, I think I could do that, but I do like Fleetwood this week. Played in the course in 2018. I think the game sets up well, and and I do think at that point, you know, you need a massive finish. Whether he's 11-6 or 10-9, you have a little more wiggle room. But I think with the depressed ownership, uh, it's actually pretty interesting to start with Fleetwood instead of going balanced. Do you think that most people are going to go balance, Rick? Uh, yes, which I don't think is necessarily the right thing to do. What we've seen, and especially the, like the the optimal lineup last year, I think had VJ Singh in it. It obviously <laughs> had Keith Mitchell in it. It had somebody else that is like in $6,500 range. So I think Stars and Scrubs is the way to go. I just think it's difficult when you actually start building these lineups and you have to go down and plug in a Scott Brown or someone like that. I, I think eventually more people will just start building like, building balanced lineups like i'm looking at it right now and this is very early ownership projections from fantasynational.com mm -hmm. uh most people haven't even, like basically logged in and like made their favorites yet but <laughs> out of a sample size of 700 people um you know and that's not bad over 4,000 lineups have been generated so far i don't know who's generating their lineups this early in the week but hey <laughs> here we are um everyone seems to be gravitating towards woodland and fowler and so in terms of the top four, the ownership would go Woodland, Fowler, Brooks, Fleetwood in that order with Woodland coming in somewhere around like 25%, Fowler around like 18 to 20, Brooks like 15 to 18, and Tommy at like 10. Yeah, which, I'm which, not surprised. I'm really not. Like, and I think that adds to, listen, the other thing, and we're going to talk about this, of course, you're talking extreme variance at all these Florida courses with the water. I mean, if you just look at the mm -hmm. leaderboard from last year, all four of those guys, Keith Mitchell, Brooks, Ricky, and Palmer, they all got cut in their last appearance before last year. Uh, 
it's extreme variance when you're talking about all these hazards. So I think you can embrace some of the ownership game a little more just on that merit alone. Well, Rick, if you do that, and let's drop into the nines for a second then. So it goes Rose, Louie, Hovland, M, Horschel, Lowry, and EVR at $9,000. Right now, um, it looks like M and Horschel are going to garner most of the ownership here. Some people are kind of wishy-washy on Rose. Uh, and then in the 8Ks at the very top, like Berger's going to have a ton of ownership. Like, instead of doing the, oh, I don't want to use Woodland, I'll just go up to Fleetwood because he's going to be less than half the ownership, would it be better to differentiate in this range and take your shots and build a balanced lineup that way of, let's say, Louie, Hovland and EVR as your team instead of the really chalky guys. Yeah, sure. I, I don't know if it's those guys specifically, but I like the idea of like fading Billy Horschel, who in a vacuum is fine. He's coming off back-to-back top tens. He's had pretty good success here, but he's just a very streaky player. He he increases the variance in your lineups. Uh, so if he's going to be chalky, I'm going to obviously take an approach that's like, hey, if he goes and yeah, on number six, yanks one ball into the water and misses the cut, like you're you're one shot away or two shots away from missing the cut here very, very quickly that I'm trying to avoid guys like that. So I'd avoid Horschel. I'm, I'm a little bit more lukewarm on, on Justin Rose than most, I think. His recent PGA Tour form hasn't been great. He's lost strokes in his last four measured events, but still has the second place in Singapore. He still has the fifth in, at the Hero World Challenge, which I know is only an 18-man field, but it's a pretty good 18-man field. So we've at least seen signs of life from Justin Rose, who, I don't know, might be the third, fourth best player in this field. Yeah, I mean, you could, outside of Brooks, Ben, you could probably make the argument that Justin Rose could be the second best player in this field. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, I don't worry about Rose too much either. Listen, a, a slow start, it's not ideal, but he's also sub 10K in a field like this. If he was playing a little better, he would be where Fleetwood is and he'd be more popular. So I don't mind that. Uh, Listen, if either of you know, if you've ever seen anything like Louis Strokes gain from last week, yep. <laughs> I certainly haven't. Uh, lost 13 T to green, gained nine with the putter en route to a 51st in a small field. It's Louis. I don't really read much into anything. He's going to be the least owned of these guys as he should be. I'm not really there, though. For, for me, I'm with Rick. Fade, Phil, fade Billy Ho. I like Sunjay. I like Rose. I like Lowry a lot in this. And I think that if we're going to try to embrace the variance a little bit, that if it's going to get blustery and windy or it's soggy on the course and you just have someone who can kind of play with the elements, like his ball striking was not necessarily like on point to win a tournament last week in Mexico, but it was still in the positives. So I actually like Shane Lowry a little bit here. My only concern with Lowry is probably the, the short game. Uh, this is a course that getting up and down for par is going to be a good score. A lot of the holes. I mean, there are stretches of holes around here that are some of the most difficult stretches on the PGA tour. This was the fifth hardest course on tour last year. So you're going to have to get up and down uh, Lowry around the green on the green, a little bit scary for me. Uh, it, it, I, he's just a, he's a streaky guy when it comes to that yeah. kind of thing too. Like he can, as we've seen, almost like Woodland at the U.S. Open, we've seen it a bit more out of Lowry in the past that he can just get really hot with the putter all of a sudden. Like strokes game, short game, adding around the green and putting into one over the past twenty four rounds. I believe he's third in this field, which I found to be somewhat surprising. And when I filtered Fantasy National to best players on hard courses, he was number one. Yeah, that is surprising because, and and I think you're right. It's not the it's not the fact that he's 
loses there's there's different ways to lose strokes in places right you can lose a little bit every single round or you can lose a lot one round gain some lose a lot like there's different ways to get there and lowry kind of does it in a different way yes so ben of the 9k i mean we didn't even really kind of come down concrete on the 10k guys like objectively <laughs> woodland is my favorite but i i don't seem to be alone on that and it every time that gary ends up being everyone's favorite he misses the cut yeah i, I don't woodland would be last of the four for me um that's factoring in what i think will be the most popular tag i'll take any of them fleetwood would be the preferred target and then when we look down larry is interesting i and maybe i'm a, a little i don't want to say biased here but i just never think of him in the florida swing to be honest you know that's not really where we've seen him excel i think that's a pretty noisy comment by me but at the same time i don't know if going to the bermuda greens and, and just these courses in general is really where I want to pay 9100 for for uh, Lowry. Uh, missed the cut at last year's Players Championship. Missed the cut at the API a year ago. The year before that, he was 46th of the players. Uh, let's see, 49th at Honda, 49th at Valspar. Missed the cut, and he's basically bleeding strokes and all of those on the green. So maybe you are onto something. He's played this course. At least he's made the cut both times that he showed up and played PGA National. At least the last two times. So uh, there's just something about him that. If it's going to be difficult, and we know that it is, I think that you're getting some win equity from him because he tends to yeah. win in these more difficult tracks over birdie fests. No argument there. To me, I'd rather bet him than play him in DFS. Maybe, I mean, I did bet him at 40 to one. Maybe that's the way that I approach that. I'm thinking about doing the same thing with Sam Burns this week too, that I bet him at 125 to one. I, I haven't even looked at his ownership projection. I assume it's 100% because everyone loves <laughs> Sam Burns this week. <laughs> yeah. He's an LSU guy, is he not? He's a Bermuda specialist back from the ankle. It's going to be that type of week. I think people with the, with the you know the change of grass is going to look heavily to Bermuda guys. Michael Thompson is the name. I mean, there's some crazy guys that people are going to go to. Rick, how about this? Brooks at the Genesis ended up coming 43rd. He lost over a stroke around the greens, over two strokes on the greens. The ball striking was actually really good for him. Are we just like being stupid and not using Brooks? Maybe. Uh, I think in general, Brooks is going to get right in a big way. Uh, I, I think what gives me the most pause is he himself came out and was like, yeah, my, my knee's not a hundred percent. And I don't know if it's ever going to be a hundred percent. And I was like, what, like, what, what did he just say? Did he just admit to that? Like in front of everybody. And like, you know, he said the quiet part out loud. So I, I guess that's the concern. I am generally a guy who likes to be early um, I'm probably going to be late on Brooks because I need to see a little bit more. His short game has been brutal. His putter has been pretty bad. Like I just, I need more signs of life before I hop back onto Brooks. I think this might be a spot where, like I said, I liked Woodland. I don't love that ownership. I, I think Brooks might end up being the guy that if I do go to one of the $10,000 guys, it might be him. And I probably don't need a ton of it. Like if I play a fourth of my lineups with Brooks, I mean, he did come second this tournament last year. We know that he's Brooks. And if there's going to be a guy to be early on, it does seem like he can kind of win out of nowhere when you're not expecting it. Like, oh, yeah, Brooks is only saving himself for the majors. Oh, he just won this WGC. Okay. Uh, he can do that this week. I mean, the thing is, even if he's not 100%, like 85% Brooks is probably like the fourth best player in this field. Um, so, yeah, I, I do see the merit there. Um, I'm going to give it one more week and see what happens. Uh, are you, if you had to choose between Hovland and Im, who would it be? It's it's almost always Sung Jay for me. I assume like yeah, Victor is probably still hung over somewhere as he should be with the five hundred thousand dollar check and the winner's prize and all that stuff. Sung Jay's just you know 
outside of one miscut, a uh, very, very consistent golfer, makes a lot of birdies, which usually helps you on DraftKings. I'd, I'd rather go with Sungjae. Yeah, I'm in on Sungjae too. Ben? Yeah, definitely. Uh, Hovland, super talented. I don't know if this is the best course for him, you know, in a big sample size, which we'll see down the road. I'm not sure that Honda is going to be in his wheelhouse long term. I'm looking at the, well, he's, Hovland rates out number two uh, over the past 24 rounds for me in these stats. Number one is actually EVR coming off a good week. And it doesn't seem like people are going back to him, which I find odd. It's a huge price. You know, I think people get, you know, 6,700, now he's 9K. And I get why he gets the bump, no doubt about it. Um, But I I feel like people are more apt to take that kind of guy as their last man in in a major, their last man in in a WGC rather than their second man in, in in a middling field like this. And I think, Rick, a lot of it has to do with Berger being $100 less. And, you know, Berger's like Sam Burgers. Everyone likes Daniel Berger this week. But I guess, Mike, I have two questions. Okay, so my first question was, is Daniel Berger popular? Which I guess we've answered is yes. And my second question is, why? Like, he's got back-to-back top tens, which he hasn't done in four years. So we're uh, so now we assume he's going to go back-to-back-to-back and have another great finish. Like, even if you look at, and I keep hearing, oh, he's got great course history, get great course history. Last four years, miscut, miscut, 29, 36. Like, wh- where's the, the reasoning for playing Daniel Berger? It was this tournament where Berger broke through. I remember watching it. It was a Monday finish in a playoff when he ended up losing to Patty Harrington. I remember because Jeff and I distinctly had money on him to win at 100 to 1. And he was great that week. And you could see it coming. And there was always this thing, hey, Berger's a Florida State guy. He's very comfortable on Bermuda. And now there's actually an excuse. You can point to, you know, you can always point to anything, really, with golfers. Be like, oh, well, you know, he's been playing very poorly for the past three events. You know, but he's historically very good. So he's going to be fine or daniel berger has back-to-back top tens he's finally getting it back he's gonna come through on all the potential that we want from him uh and this is a course where he can most definitely do it like i don't know if he's gonna be like 25 percent owned fade yeah i I think if you removed his name uh and just looked at the numbers you'd get a a much different ownership perspective I, i do agree i think it's a lot of confirmation bias for those that remember the good burger runs and wanting to play him and now they have a an exactly right pat an excuse to play there is a thing too. Like he has the back-to-back top tens, Ben, but he has made ten of his last eleven cuts. That that's something. Yeah, he's playing well. Uh, you know, he seems healthy, and he's a guy that he does have kind of a course fit. When you look at Saint, Double St. Jude's, this is the type of track that I, I think his results actually should be better than we've seen. The ownership, uh, you know. Anyone who's really popular this week, I'm going to be very tempted to go elsewhere because there's water everywhere. And when there's water, you can just get lucky. Uh, If you're fading people, a shot that's one foot to the left can be, you know, a massive penalty. It's just a different type of game that we're playing in these courses. So that's just something to consider across the board. Uh, Coming down to it, two chalky guys coming in with good form. You're going to see a lot of them in the same lineups. But Ben, if you had to choose one or none, potentially, with how you think you're going to end up this week, Horschel or Berger? Oh, Berger. Not even close for me. It would be Horschel for me, and that wouldn't be close for me. Rick? Yeah, I'm I'm going with Billy Ho. I don't don't think it's that close. Seminoles versus Gators. There we go. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, Florida guys. How How could anything go wrong? No, of course not, right? It's just a lock, lock it in. Yeah. So before we jump into the $8,000 range, and Rick, you do the reverse, where you do the regression modeling and see what really ends up popping out. But from my, you know, casual amateur research that I've really dug into this, it does seem like bombers do really well at this course. And that's not something that you would expect. 
Yeah, I mean, we can we can talk about the, the the distance thing for another couple of hours, but you're right. I mean, distance is is important everywhere. We've seen guys who bomb it do really well here, and then really, uh, it, it's it's a very basic regression model for this week, or the results are very basic. It's strokes gained approach. It's strokes gained off the tee, and it's it's to Ben's point earlier. If you miss some of these fairways by a yard, you're wet. If you miss on your approach shot, especially when they start tucking the pins later in the day, by a yard, you're wet. There are just big numbers lurking everywhere. Having these super exact, precise guys getting the best of the best, obviously like it makes sense, but it is so much more important this week. $8,000 range. And when we talked about differentiating your lineup and embracing some of the variants, I think this is where you might want to go because it does appear like a lot of people in their balance build, like the balance that they're getting is going to be burger at the bottom of like, he'd be their third guy in with two $9,000 guys. Then all of these other guys go almost completely unowned. So you have Ben Ann at 88 coming off just a terrific putting performance in round one in Mexico. <laughs> Neiman, Poston, Poulter, Palmer, Connors, Charles, Luke List. Like, that's the entire 8K range along with Grio at 8,000. And they don't seem substantially better than the guys in the mid $7,000. But the one thing that it's doing, at least by early ownership projections, is just no one's taking these guys. So, like, people will own Ben Ann because everyone says they're going to quit Ben Ann and then never end up quitting Ben Ann. And then they're shocked when he misses a two foot putt. But, like, I'm looking at, like, Ryan Palmer or, JT Poston or Ben, your guy, Grio. Can you do it after a decent week in Puerto Rico? I, I mean, I didn't play him last week because I didn't play Puerto Rico. That is why we saw him from the clouds. It looked from what I could tell that he actually putted okay. Um, I, I don't. I honestly, I don't know. People say that Bermuda is good for him. He's an incredible ball striker. I'll have some, but I don't feel confident. The guy I like is Ian Poulter, of all people. I'm sticking with the villain role. We got Reed. We've got Poulter. Uh, you know, he's a guy, not that he's a Florida guy, but he's certainly comfortable in Florida. He's played all these courses a ton. I think this fits exactly what his game wants to do. We saw the success of the players. 8,500 is not going to garner interest. We haven't seen him really. He, he waited to get in WGC. He did not. We saw him during the Middle East swing. I think he's a, a dark horse actually to win the tournament. Uh, I like him a lot at 8,500. Okay, so Rick, uh, three starts for Ian Poulter so far in 2019. He missed the cut in Abu Dhabi, came T16 at the Omega Dubai Desert Classic, and was T17 in Saudi Arabia. So he's not playing poorly. So obviously he got he got the rust off, and then he was fine. Yeah, and I think what you I, I think what you like about Ian Poulter is you know exactly what you're getting. You're getting a guy who's going to be underowned, who has the ability to pop and get a catch a hot putter for four days and have everybody feel terrible on on Sunday evening. Like I think you like he for that reason, like he's exactly what you expect him to be. Just trying to see where he ends up rating out. I did that sorting by Difficult courses. I He does seem like a player that if he's going to, I know when he won in Houston, he just went on a birdie barrage in the final round to beat Bo Hostler. But it does seem like the win, a winning score of minus 10 would be more in his wheelhouse than minus 25. Definitely. Yeah, I, I don't think he's going to, right. I don't think he's going to sprint up and, and shoot something 21 under par and fire a couple of 63s. But hey, two under or maybe three, even three under every day probably wins you the golf tournament this week. And at his price, Ben, you don't need him to win either. Oh, no, not at all. I just, he is someone that Rick kind of just alluded to this. He has that ability to just get hot in, in kind of spurts. Uh, we know that he can go low relative to a difficult course. Uh, the finishing points can be there. You don't need that. You know, if he makes the weekend, even if it's not what, what 
you're really searching for, he's not going to kill your lineups. Uh, and I think he, there's multiple avenues where he pays off and you're not going to have to allocate a ton at 8,500. No doubt about it. All right. So for me in this range, I actually like Corey Connors. No big shocker there. Like if I'm not going to take Ben Ann, I got to take Corey Connors. I can't have everyone who can't putt on my team, but just a few of them. The short game really worries me, but he too has played well in Florida. We've seen him pop at Valspar in the past. Another course that really emphasizes ball striking. When we talk about ball striking, like him and Grio are very much in the same mold of they're going to hit a bunch of fairways. Their irons are going to be dialed in. Then you pray they don't five putt. So I'm just going to pray that he doesn't five putt or like shank one off the tee. The other one's Ryan Palmer. I know this is going to backfire so, so poorly on me, Ben, but Palmer's been like, okay, this year in spots. And this is just a tournament where his skill set can really come into it, except for his one big skill of he loves hitting it into the water. But that's usually on approach shots. He is, yeah, the water god. It's it's very bad. Um, listen, the, the thing I like about Palmer is that it's it's correlated within himself in the sense that he needs to be crisp with the irons. If he's crisp with the irons, you have, you have a big shot at a big finish. If he's not, A, he's either going in the water or his scrambling's awful anyway. You're you're completely toast. So it's an all or nothing situation. I don't mind guys like that. You got to do it in spurts. You don't want to pair the, like three Ryan Palmers on the same team because one of them is going to clip you. But I see what you're going for there. I just have a difficult time wondering how he avoids the trouble because that's going to be a serious issue. Well, Rick, so in his career, it's kind of to what Ben speaks of. His results at the Honda are fourth, miscut, 37th, 26th, 25th, second, 41st, 26th. Like, he can pop at a place like this. When we kind of get down to it, like Keegan Bradley, I feel, is going to kind of be the same way this week. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I like Ryan Palmer. He's he's one of the, the few in the short list for this range, and I think he's actually been playing a lot better than it looks on paper. If you remember, he finished fourth at the Sony, but he had to hit that, like, three wood out of a soggy bunker on 18 because he thought he was like one shot behind or whatever. He ends up hitting it out of the stadium and, and, you know, makes a big number there. Uh, he was in like the final group on, I think Saturday at Tory. And then he, you know, leaves seven in the bunker at Genesis and takes a nine on the hole or something like that. Like outside of a few really kind of weird blips, like Ryan Palmer has been very, very good. This season. Uh, if you had to pick between Neiman and Ann, would you go in that direction whatsoever? Man, I'm such a sucker for Benny on like 10th in strokes gained tee to green last week over all four rounds. Yes, he lost like six and a half in putting in round one, but he was a slight positive. He gained 0.37 over the last three, which is all you ask Benny on to do. Um, I love Neiman long term. I like Benny on better this week. Ben? Yep. Kind of said it better well, for the same reasons. I like Benny on more. All right. 7K range. If people are not aware as of yet, Charles Howell has withdrawn. So is Jason Kokrak at this point who falls into this range. So it starts off with Kevin Streelman, ends all the way down at Sean O'Hare. Sean O'Hare used to be like the king of hard Florida courses, but I I just don't know how much he has left in the tank. I don't really know what I want to do from this range. I I mentioned Sam Burns. I like Sam Burns. So does everyone. I like Harris English at 78. Everyone likes Harris English. And Harry Higgs, your boy, Ben, I like him too at 73, but like, I assume everyone's going to like him too. Yeah. Harry Higgs. That's going to be interesting. I do not to hijack it, but what about Luke list, Pat? I have to ask you. (laughs) (sighs) He's 8k on the dot. He's overpriced. Yeah. Yeah. He's he's one I look to, and then I I don't think I'm going to get there either. I just – I had to ask that. For me, 7K range is pretty interesting. Russell Knox is a guy he's not playing good, but I think it's suppressed his price enough where I'm interested. We know – this is a perfect course for him. Another guy that I think of 
uh, in the Florida swing. 7,600 is pretty appealing. That's really where I start for safety. And then you mentioned Keegan. I like Bud Cauley. I'll throw that name out there. Good scrambler. I think he benefits from the way you set up this course with the par 70. And then Harry Higgs at 73 as well. Rick, I guess the one thing about Knox, because I was interested too, this does seem like a course where he can have a lot of success, but he has really improved and sped up his swing speed throughout the course of the season. He used to be like a pure accuracy guy. He did it around average, slightly below average, and he'd hit it into the middle of the fairway every single time. So far this season, his distance is up, but his accuracy is all over the place, and that really worries me here. Yeah, the, uh, in general, uh, the increasing your distance is going to increase your results. Everyone's buying into this. Cam Tringali improved his club head speed like eight miles an hour in one year. We know Phil's trying to hit bombs. These guys know distance is better than accuracy, but that is only to a certain extent. And I don't think it's PGA National because, yeah, the rough's going to be penal and uh, water lurks everywhere. Yeah, I are we just kind of dismissing Matthew Wolf because he had like a bad run at the beginning of the season? Like he's still, he's going to gain strokes off the tee. Uh, he's not the most accurate player, but when we talk about bombers at this course, they have, they're forced to take driver out of the bag, like put it back into the bag a bunch just because you know, they can't hit it to where there's water. So they're going to have to naturally club down and regain some accuracy that it's just funny. Like, you know, three weeks ago, everyone was kind of all over Wolf. But now, you know, Hovland has won. Morikawa has been really good. He's back to third place amongst those three. And like, no one cares about him anymore. I would just rather, I'd almost rather play him at, I mean, the 3M open was the perfect, the perfect spot for him because like 20 under par is probably a, a, a good place where, he, you're just going to have to be so exact. And yeah, if it was a driving contest, he'd be awesome, but he's really bad with the irons. He's even worse when he gets around the greens. Like he's, there are big numbers out here. And I think he finds a lot of them, even if he's playing from the middle of the fairway. Uh, number one in the field and bogey avoidance over the past 24 rounds, Ben, your boy, Mav McNeely. <laughs> Don't call it a comeback. Mav's <laughs> got it going on here. Uh, he's certainly found something. Oh boy. I mean, the price is starting to get up there. Wyndham Clark is there. Who's an anomaly on top of an anomaly, but I think Maverick for me is more of a West coast swing guy. I know he's playing better, kind of indifferent to the play. We'll see what he does on Bermuda specifically. Uh, Not a strong take either way. I'll probably get sucked into a little Russell Henley at the same price, basically who I has been just another anomaly this year. He's playing so bad. Then he popped. He's a Bermuda guy. There's a lot of options here in a crowded but difficult range. Yeah, well, what do you do in that range at, like, 74, Rick? Because I was kind of looking at Henley, too. Like, did did Riviera turn his season around? Like, he's won at this tournament before. That's a bonus. But you have, like, McNeely, Shank, Henley, Rogers, Sabatini, Herman, and Keegan Bradley. And even Kirk Kitayama, who's been pretty good so far since coming over on the European Tour. Like, this group of guys all seem very similar to me. But if we were just going to say... Let's say that we think that position on the leaderboard matters more than DraftKings scoring this week. That someone like Rory Sabatini and Keegan actually do a lot for me. Yeah, I was going to say, if we're if we're looking strictly at that, I think Keegan is is probably the play. But this is kind of a dead area. I think, I think a lot of people are going to gravitate towards Harry Higgs, which is kind of scary, but understandable. Um, I'd prefer to either go much higher, even $7,900 for Johnny Vegas, who goes out and shoots a 10 under. Uh, 62 in the final round of the Puerto Rico Open. These guys are like, these are creatures that if they find one thing, they can keep it going for days, weeks, months at a time. If he found something in the final round of Puerto Rico and can keep it going this week, he's already a very good, very strong off the tee player. I'd rather spend up at 79 or just go all the way down to like, I don't know, KH Lee. 
at 7,000, couple of, couple of top 15s in a row, seventh place finish last year. Like, I don't know. It's a weird spot. Uh, and Johnny Vegas was the first round leader at this event last year too. So at the very bottom of that range, you got like steel who's been really struggling off the tee, which is not great. But then you have someone like the Gooch who we know if like, if strokes gained approach is the single most important thing at this yeah. course, why wouldn't we be looking at him? I guess because the rest of his game. No, I mean, I'm a, I'm a big fan of the Gooch and, and, and I always love ball strikers, whether it is approach or T to green, which is obviously my favorite stat. But uh, yes, if you want to just focus on, Hey, in this range, I need a guy who pops in what I believe to be the most important stat Gooch it up. So then, then you got like, I mean, we didn't even discuss Ben Keith Mitchell. Like, should we be betting or oh, just using Keith Mitchell? <laughs> Keith Mitchell. And listen, uh, maybe time will tell, I guess. I couldn't think of a worse player for this course, honestly, than <laughs> Keith Mitchell. Like, looking back, I don't really understand how any of that happened. Uh, honestly, he reminds me a little of what we were talking about with Wolf. Like, he's going to gain off the tee, doesn't do anything else useful. Now he came in and he won, and he was fantastic. I have zero interest in him. It would be Cauley. It would be, do I say Kyle Stanley? Did he find something in Puerto Ooh. Rico? I I'm tempted. I don't know if I can do it, but God, this range is pretty dead. I, I do think that Stanley's a better player than some of the names. I mean, if you're telling me Stanley at say one fourth, the ownership of Sam Burns, I probably go Stanley in that situation. I think I would probably go down and go to like Furick. Kenny McCarthy, the putting God best putter I've ever seen. I'm not even joking. It's 10 strokes every week now. Like that, that, that can't keep up, can it? I've been saying things like that in my life, personal life for 20 years, and, and look how <laughs> I ended up. It's possible. The guy's a wizard. I have no idea what surface he struggles on. I thought Poa would do it. 10 strokes. It, it's, it's unbelievable. He still doesn't really show up because the rest of the game is so weak, but I've never seen a guy who can do it just with the putting. It's like Spieth on steroids. It's crazy. Now maybe Spieth should be like taking some steroids. Maybe that'll help him out. That that could be the answer. How bad would Spieth be at this course? Do you think? <laughs> Not good. Yeah, I mean, he would be. Uh, hopefully, has a lot of balls in the bag. That's for sure. You know, like we have some other guys down here, Rick. Like Cam Davis has been pretty good, especially ball striking. You mentioned Cage Lee, my main guy, the Chinese bad boy Zing Zhu Zhang, is down here. Doc Redman, who I like this yeah. week. Uh, he's at $7,000. So I it just, I'm talking about these guys at the very bottom. Like this entire $7,000 range seems relatively interchangeable. So fading the chalk is probably the move. But now I'm trying to think of how these guys actually fit in with the rest of the roster construction. Like if you just played two guys in the $10,000 range and you drop down to the bottom of the sevens, like do you think you're really doing yourself that big of a disservice? Man, good question. I mean, compared to the top of the sevens, it's you're right. It's probably the same thing. When when I get to this range, and I, I almost always default to Doc Redman because he's always priced with these other jabronis, and he gains both off the tee and on approach in kind of a big way. So I, I default to the ball strikers. But I I agree with you. There is no discernible difference between like the guys at seven thousand and the guys at like seventy eight hundred. So save yourself the bucks and go get you know differentiate differentiate yourself at the top. Yeah, the, the only two that really stick out from a statistical perspective from the $7,000 range that we never really talked about, one is inventor of basketball, Matthew Naismith, and the other one is Vaughn Taylor, who just kind of rips up this course. Oh, sorry, Vaughn Ben, Taylor I thought you were going to go on Vaughn Taylor there. <laughs> 
boy. It's funny you say that, though. I, f- I feel that same way about the sixes. Like, there's a couple guys, and we'll get there at flat six, that I feel the same as, like, 6,800. Okay, well, let's let's do it then. Hit me with your guys. Chesson? I mean, yeah, Chesson, he's one. I, I don't mind him at all. I think people are going to play Effie Barnrat. I get it. I see it. Uh, Chesson Hadley, you know, he can get hot. He showed some things, actually, surprising for me at, at Pebble, playing pretty well. Um, but, you know, you, you just look at the top of that range. Yeah, there's some okay play. You know, Zach Johnson, I'm not going to even talk about Aaron Wise at this point. But at the bottom of the sixes, there's a couple names. And as Rick alluded to, it's not the same. Uh, but like VJ Singh hung in last year. This is a weird course. You're going to see some weird guys stick around and some real cheapies probably be on the leaderboard at the end. Rick, who do you like from the 6K? Because Chesson was going to be my guy. It does seem like people are gravitating towards Hoagie as well. Yeah, I kind of had two earmarked, and it was it was neither one of those guys. Um, Scott Brown is sixty five hundred. He had a, a second place finish at Genesis, and then he went to the Scott Brown Open <laughs> in Puerto Rico and finished sixty seventh. Like that was that was supposed to be the momentum. Go out there, finish like T three, and keep it rolling. Uh, but he's got two top twenties in his last four starts here at the Honda. He hasn't missed a cut in four years. Like I I'm <laughs> I'm not comfortable playing really any of these guys but i think i'm more comfortable playing him and then the other guy is uh joseph bramlett so he was the the special invite to the genesis a couple of weeks ago uh which was tiger's event and he's been playing well uh he is 60 where is my guy 6800 6700 6700 uh 18th at pebble ninth at the puerto rico open 51st in that really tough field at genesis so uh those are the two that i just kind of had little check marks next to uh the simulator on fantasy national really likes cameron percy as like the longest shot of, you know, not great odds, but I think he's listed like 250 to one and he's you know, like 29th in overall odds. If you just compare all the holes and I have no real take on Cameron Percy other than he's Australian and just like yes. use Australians. The simulator knows it's the year of the Aussie, right? This, he'd be like the fifth or sixth Aussie to win worldwide this year. So yeah, they must be, uh, must be seeping into the sim. Yeah. The other one is like, I mean, just for me, just, Thinking about it, it would be Zach Blair, 18th, 21st, 55th, 63rd. He's made every cut he's played so far this year, and this does seem to be a better track. Someone had mentioned Luke Donald to me. I think it was Feinberg. And, like, I had used him at Pebble a while back, and, like, this would seem like a very logical place. But I don't think that those two courses had that much in common. I think you do need to have a modicum of distance here uh, in order to get away with stuff. Like, he's so bad off the tee, and Pebble kind of masks that a little bit, and, like, not to the point where he won or anything, but he ended up making the cut. But he would, like, he's just bound to hit into the water a bunch here, isn't he? Yeah, no Luke Donald for me. I'd rather go, I've been playing this guy a little. I'm, I'm sticking with Jason Duffner. Uh, 6,400, starting to make some cuts. It's losing on the greens. We all know that. The off the tee can be masked to an extent. He's actually been scrambling pretty well, probably unsustainable. But I think Duffner makes another cut. And at 64, he opens up a decent amount of salary. Duffner lost over nine strokes putting at the Genesis. He did. And that's not what I'm looking for. So if he doesn't do that, we'll have a better outcome here. Nine. My God. He's made almost every, he missed the cut at Sony, but he's made every cut since. And one of them was at Farmers and one of them was at Genesis, which is really surprising. Yeah, these, this is that's kind of where I'm coming from. I think this is the best course that he's seen, and he's been making cuts at places that I really didn't love the setup for. Uh, Rick, any take on Brian Stewart? This just when you say like Honda short course, it seems like a Brian Stewart course. 
Yeah, that's fine. I'm not like running to uh, draft Kings to like get him into my lineup. I'm kind of just lukewarm there. Yeah, I think that would be that would be fine. Yeah, 10th at RSM on Bermuda, 53rd at Sony on Bermuda, 23rd at the Genesis. Oh, putting. That, that would be why. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I'm really struggling from down in this area. Like my guy Hubba Hubbard, he's down here. Ben, your guy Chase Seifert, you got a take on him? You were right last time about him. Yeah, I don't know if this, I believe he is another, I want to say he's another Florida State guy. Um, making a bunch of cuts, the approaches are good. It's going to need that putter to keep it up. That's the one thing I worry about uh, to an extent. He does some heavy lifting with that, but he's a guy that I, I'm not crossing off just yet. No doubt playing well enough to consider. I'm going to throw Cam Percy into my player pool at $6,500. The stats are telling me, and I always avoid them, and then that guy ends up being good. So now, of course, this week he's going to be an absolute disaster. But ranks out over the past 24 rounds 11th in my simulation. 7th in approach, 7th in ball striking over that time. Hmm. See how that goes. Could either of you stomach flat min Chris Kirk? What's he been? I like. What's he been doing since he's come back? I assume nothing. That's why he's the no. the league mid. It's like Jamie Lovemark. I, I looked at Lovemark, who apparently plays hard courses really, really well, but he's not good. No, yeah, Kirk's been struggling. The strokes gain look better than the results. That's the one thing I can point to. He's not getting decimated. Uh, he's just not making the cut either. The the min the six k min guys going back to the Sony uh they've combined for like five made cuts in like thirty attempts it's just been a lot of red Chris Kirk no different uh, VJ Singh no different although he does have uh, a sixth in his last two starts here at the Honda and then since Ben brought up one of your guys Pat in Luke List your okay. other boy Satoshi Kadaira <laughs> is the absolute min. I thought you were going to say C. Wu, who had had a very no. unenthusiastic Wu in that cameo. <laughs> that uh, was so low energy. <laughs> yeah, lo- lo- low energy Wu. It's not going to be good. It's not going to play in the state of Florida. I don't know what to make of Kadira. Like his best finish in yeah. the past year is like 66th. Yeah, at the Sony. Yeah, it's 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 been it's been really bad. I mean, all these guys are the minimum price for a reason. Tank Leviota's down there. I think, I, I know I just keep saying this. Eventually I have to be right. I'm pretty sure he's a Florida guy too. Um, nah, I don't know. I don't think you need multiple, but I wouldn't mind taking one just to unlock like a Fleetwood Brooks combo maybe. I think you could probably do that with like Cam Percy and Chesson if you really wanted to, or Scott Brown, like Rick mentioned. Yeah. Or Duffner. Duffner. Yeah. It's interesting. I got to reverse engineer this in my mind. Burgoon has been the best in the bear trap of anyone in this field. Oh, that's interesting. What do you do the other 15 holes? Uh, pro- <laughs> I assume I assume nothing, but I just saw that he's gone 10 rounds without making a bogey in the bear trap. That's actually very impressive. That's like I saw Michael Thompson hasn't hit in the water here in like eons somehow. Michael uh, Thompson has won this tournament before. Yeah, that's God. disturbing on multiple levels. But good, good for him. It's been a, been a real bad run with the irons for old Burgoon in 2020. He went 11 consecutive events gaining on approach. And so far in 2020, he has lost in every event. Jeez. Michael Thompson came in second in a major. Didn't know that. When, when was that? He came in second at Olympic Club when he lost to Webb. Oh, when Furyk put it into the woods? Yeah. Yes, yeah, same one, but I did not. I didn't even know Michael Thompson was in that tournament. Never mind, second. 
I mean, he <laughs> needs to qualify for it this year. Then we can bet Michael Thompson at an Olympic club. We are discovering things on the fly here. <laughs> uh, let me see here. Dylan Fratelli. Dylan. God, he's been bad. Awful. Oh, my God. What happened? He won. It went to his head. It's, it's same for Tyler Duncan. Tyler Duncan won the RSM and has basically not made a cut since. I mean, he's made like two and has a bunch of 64ths, but like it's, I don't know. These guys cash the check, they get their, their job security and it, it kind of goes away. I'm curious to see how some of this ownership breaks down because I can see myself talking myself. I can see me talking myself into Victor Hovland by the end of the week if he's really going to be like, I don't know, 8% owned or something in that like weird mid-tier. I think for me, he fits maybe a team. You know, I like to build teams correlated. If I go aggressive drivers, Louis, maybe I start Louis Start Hovland? with Hovland. Louis yeah, Hovland? Some, maybe. But if you do that, the one benefit of doing something like that, if you say you start like that, you can literally pick for any best available. Don't even worry about ownership uh, for the other four guys because you have leverage. Yeah, the, the problem with like Hovland and Connors and Palmer and that type of guy in this situation and even Wolf, I'll throw into that mix too. Like their short games are bad that you need them to hit every green. Yeah. That's why combining them to me, for me is it's too much risk. Cause what are the chances that six of them, one of them is going to blow up and, and in a tournament like this, you have to blend it more carefully. Yeah. All right, Rick single favorite play on oh, the entire field. Yeah. Oh boy. Uh, everything considered pricing potential ownership. I am a glutton for punishment. So give me Benny on baby. Ben on. I think I'm going to stick Korean, but I'll go Sung Jay. Ben. Uh, Bud Cauley. I really like him in this spot. 7,300. I think he plays really well here. All right. Bud Cauley. Okay. Stock DFS open. The main event. <laughs> The, the real. So, Rick, you're running a contest for this. So just explain to people what, what you're doing for this because you spent so much time <laughs> pricing the teams. All right. I don't know how I got looped into this, but I, I, I volunteered because, uh, you know, the people who were not going to be at the DFS Open obviously wanted to be able to follow along, gamble a little bit. So uh, what I've done is I've assembled all of the uh, handicaps for the golfers, assuming that you guys have been honest on them. And I assigned pricing to each one of the teams and it's set up very similar to DraftKings. You're going to draft six DFOs, o, DFS Open foursomes staying under $50,000 It is a $20 entry and it's all going to the first tee. That is the organization that we're supporting for charity this week. So everything goes to the first tee. We've got prizes like uh, first prize is going to get you a DFS open players swag bag. So all of the sponsors are putting things into a swag bag for all of the, the participants. We'll send you one of those. Others have donated, um, you know, like a dozen pro V ones. Gup is, is do donating a, a head cover. I'm throwing in some DFS on demand uh, membership. So it's just a way for us to kind of follow along, have a little fun with this and, and raise money for a good cause. All right. So when you did the pricing, how much do you think that people were like fudging their handicaps? Uh, I assume quite a bit. Uh, so I, I kind of took that into account. I tried to do a little, a little reconnaissance on myself. I was like, there's no way, like I've seen that guy swing. There's no way he's a 13 or whatever. Let me send a couple messages and see what's going on. So I, I tried to do a little manual adjustment. Um, I don't know how good of a job I did, Pat, because literally after I posted, you know, 22 teams, every single person was like, Oh, how can I be 6,200? We're the best value in the whole field, but you know, 22 teams can't be, uh, all of value. 
Yeah. So, and Ben, you went the other way with this as you continue yeah. to downplay expectations <laughs> that you're probably like overpriced despite being close to the min. That's right. Everyone, when everyone zigs, I zag. Everybody thinks, oh, like I'm the biggest deal. I can't believe we're not the men. Um, I'm, I'm not going to lie. Maybe we have some ringers that I don't know about. I, I hope that's the case. It's going to be interesting. I, you know, we were talking before the show. Uh, the one thing, and Rick, you said this and I agree. It's interesting. And we'll see with these teams. If Even if you're not a great golfer, if you can do one thing pretty well, you're going to be a huge asset. Like you don't need to hit off the tee if you can putt really well and help the team that way. Uh, that doesn't apply to me. But for the other people, that could be really useful. Yeah, so you guys got the ring. You got Reed Fowler, the ringer. We'll see. Rick, you said Reed put in that he's like pretty good. So I'm curious to see this. Yeah, we're working off Reed with a a 12 handicap. And Reed looks like an athletic guy. So it's myself, Reed Fowler, Josh Culp, and Ben. We are (laughs) $6,600. You know, Ben, Ben input his own handicap as like, 50 more than whatever the highest is, is the exact quote. Uh, so I gave him like the highest possible handicap, but I don't know. He, he's right. If you're like a 30, but you can bomb it, you are incredibly valuable in this situation. Yes. I, I basically, I've just been around my office chipping and putting. Be like, if I can just make a few 15 footers, like 30% of them, I feel like I can be an asset to our team. Because between like Feinberg's a bit better than me, but like we're not great. Yeah. yeah, I mean, and some people have been sending me messages like, uh, so I guess the the $7,000 team of Brian Snow, Josh Burkett, Scott Limbach, and Melinda, who are, I think, the Gup's Corner crew, um, apparently that's, uh, Brian is is uh, big bucks, no whammies, and apparently he's like a scratch golfer, so that could be pretty handy. Also, I don't know anyone's real name is what I found out doing this. <laughs> you know, my, I, I mean, you don't even know my real name. That, that's the big cover up of all of this. Oh, come on. Spill the beans, Pat. Yeah, maybe Pat Mayo is just a stage name. Who knows? <laughs> you'll, have to, you'll have to steal my passport to find out. That'll be easy. Yeah, get, you, pretty... get you drunk, steal your passport. No problem. Yeah. <laughs> I, game. Well, but, but the three of us are playing together. Maybe what we should do as a proof of concept for the PGA Tour is live stream our round to show how easy it could be big big time in on that yeah we we will there will be more coverage of the dfs open uh than probably you know before the coverage starts or even when the coverage starts on uh on the pga event i guarantee it yeah so ben the problem i guess with streaming our round is going to be like i'm going to be in the woods the entire time i wish you said you could hit the ball pretty straight so you'll just be like waiting in the middle of the fairway while i go looking for the balls and and like rick are, are you a righty or a lefty i'm a righty you're a righty so do you slice the ball as viciously as i do Oh yeah. It's, it's, it's a, uh, I luckily have a one way miss. It is very far, right? Okay, good. So we'll be looking for our balls together then. <laughs> yeah, I won't see you fellas. Cause I, you know, I, I hit it pretty straight. And when I don't, I certainly slice it, but it's the other way, of course. Well, now that you're a lefty all of a sudden, of course. <laughs> yeah. I mean, maybe, you know what, if I get frustrated, I'll, I'll take one of your clubs. I'll start playing right-handed. Um, cause there's not a big difference for me. It really doesn't matter. <laughs> there's, there's like, there's the levels only down, not up. Yeah. I mean, I am, I am like in sports that I actually play, like, you know, basketball, I played lacrosse growing up. I'm ambidextrous. It doesn't really matter. I can do things with both hands, uh, but golf it's an, it's an equal struggle. So that that's probably problematic. Oh, you, you played lacrosse growing up. Did you play real lacrosse or that like country club lacrosse they play no, in the no. US? 
real lacrosse. I got the, the scar on my face to prove it. Um, yeah, no, lacrosse where I grew up is huge, big hotbed. Uh, it's like the only sport. I didn't know people played baseball because you just everybody plays lacrosse. That's, that's interesting. No, when I say like the difference between real lacrosse and like the other lacrosse, I don't consider field lacrosse a real sport. Box lacrosse what? is where it's at. Oh, no, no, no. Okay. So then I played fake lacrosse. Yeah, you, lacrosse. You, you, you played country. You played the polo of lacrosse. Yeah, it was a good time. Good time. Um, lacrosse is great. Great sport. They should have DFS for it. Yeah, I don't think that would be super popular. It'd be like when they tried to do CFL DFS. Could be problematic again, yeah. All right, guys. I'm looking forward to seeing you. This is going to be fun. I'm excited now. I get all fired up for this. Yeah, this is this is going to be great. I'm I'm excited. I'm terrified. Uh, yeah, no, this is going to be awesome. All right, Ben, tell everyone what you got going on the rest of the week for Honda before you go and play some golf. That's right. I was just saying. So Tuesday, two thirty Eastern, me and Fantasy Golf Man will be breaking it down. What projections, ownership, all the tools uh, over at Awesomeo. We already had a video posted yesterday. You can use the promo code Jazzraz, fifty percent off that first week. Uh, come on in. Like I said, a lot of exciting things. We'd love to have you as part of the community. Rick, Rick run good doc or sorry, DFS on demand. Now I get, fuck, I fuck this up every single time. DFS on demand.com. Correct. Not Rick run but Rick run good on Twitter. Now that is all correct. Actually the dirty little secret is Rick run will take you to DFS on demand. So I got a contingency plan in place for this. Um, but yeah, if you want to get in the DFS open contest, I've been tweeting about it. The information's on my Twitter, uh, or you can go to my, you know, Rick run good, uh, YouTube channel. The DFS video has all the information to get into that. So, uh, head over there. It's for a good cause and it'll be a, a great time. And it's going to be fun, like you said, when people can watch more shots of their DFS Open <laughs> DraftKings team than the actual DraftKings team they have for the Honda. Yeah, it's 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 going to be a blast. So uh, good luck to everybody. And I hope you're not all sandbagging me and making me look stupid on these salaries. I don't think it really matters. Everything's for charity anyway. Like, I'm not. I haven't played since I think I played with Moose at Hale. Like Moose's team is going to like run train on everyone. It's going to be like ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah, they, they are the most expensive, and like I I capped them at 11.5 when they probably realistically should be more than that. Yeah, like Moose is awesome, and Rhino, who's like on his pod, uh, also like plays at Hazeltine, is like a, a scratch at Hazeltine, which is tough, as I found <laughs> yeah. out. I think I told, I think just based on handicaps, I think I told Ben, and this is accurate, I'm looking at it, all four of their golfers are better than all, like any of our best golfers on our team in terms of handicaps. <laughs> True underdog story. <laughs> all right. That will do it on the Pat Mayo experience. Thank you all for watching. Get a 20% off at, or 25, 20, 20, at least 20% off at fantasynational.com by going to fantasynational.com slash PME. Told you about the giveaways. Told you about the Twitter. Cheat sheet out on Tuesday evening. That'll do it for me. Good luck with the Honda Classic. I'll see you next time. Pat Mayo experience. Experience.